it's Ronnie Davis, and you're listening to Eating More, the place to be if you want to learn how to stop eating in ways that make you feel like crap, if you want to end the weight and food war, and start reimagining healthy eating and living. We'll show you how to change your mind, your food world, and your life with less doing and more being. afternoon, whatever time of day it is where you are. I'll give Amanda a minute to get on here and join me. Oh, there she is, popping on. There we go. Hello, hello. Who's Amanda? Says she joins. There she is. Why yeah. is my head always so big in this? Well, it's because they have to like, cut the screen in half. So, where do you have like how close you are? <laughs> my head is like taking up the whole thing. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. So, hello. Good to see you. Yes, you too. Today, we are talking about how to how to handle diet speak diet culture talk with our friends and family especially when we have started to recognize um the negative impact that the diet culture has had on us individually and so we're we're waking up to it and we're we're seeing it all around us because that that is where diet culture is it's literally ingrained fully into our society like yeah it's in everything it's in everything and you can't unsee it and so you you start to make these changes around your own body acceptance around what you eat how you look um and they're all generally they're they're hard changes for for a lot but they're the positive changes but you're still seeing everybody else around you still stuck and then, and then, you know, the diet culture mentality um, that we have. And so you're coming up against things that might trigger you. Yeah. And the problem with that is, yeah, they absolutely trigger you. But, you know, the biggest problem with it is a lot of times, no matter how much work you can kind of try to do to, to shift yourself out of it, the minute you start spending your time around people that are obsessing about those things again, it's very, very easy to get sucked right back into it and to feel like you have to sort of start that process all over again so that you're like, you know, back at square one and, and I got to try to drag myself back out again because I just spent my afternoon with this one and she was, you know, in it. So, yeah, it can be really difficult to, to continue trying to pull yourself out of it when you're around people who will keep sucking you back into it. Yeah, and it's it's triggering. It can suck you back in. It can make you angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it can make you feel all these feelings. And so, you know, how do we how do we handle that? How what can we do to cope? What can we do to support ourselves? Do we speak up? You know, how do we handle this? And this is something that I think is really important to talk about because if you do want to unhook from diet culture and you want to um, 
recognize that there's a different way to think and feel and be in your body and have a different relationship with yourself and your body and food and exercise. Um, you know, how can we manage that with diet culture still like raging around us? And so you know, I kind of like had a little talk about this last week and I really loved the point you made is that we are culture. Like we, we are the culture, we are the society. So really the first step in changing that is to tell our story, is to share what changes we're making, what we're feeling, what we're doing with others. Like if we don't share and tell them like, hey, I learned this thing, or I'm feeling this thing, and this is, or this is what I'm realizing, or this is what I'm doing, or these are the people I'm following, and I'm feeling really good about this. If we don't actually share it with the people around us, then they don't know, and they can't make the change. So they're really, like, we need to talk about it. We need to actually yeah. talk about our own journeys and what we're going on and, and, and have the courage to be able to share that with our friends and family. Yeah, and I think that, you know, so many people complain all of the time about society. You know, we, we struggle with all of these things because society makes us and because, you know, unrealistic expectations and the media and all of these things. But the reality is that, um, you know, like, like I said, we are a society. And if we're either contributing to it or we're helping to do something about it and ignoring it is contributing to it. So I feel very, very strongly that if we actually want to change these things, like we have to get to the point where we're willing to talk about it. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this project in the first place, because the story right now that everybody's telling is that I've been so bad. I've gained weight. I've done this. I've done that. I have to start this diet. Like these are the stories that we're hearing from these people all day, every day. Like, you know, the, the, the things that we hear people talk about are the stories that are contributing to creating diet culture and keeping it going and fueling it. And so if we want to change that and if we're frustrated by the people around us that are still in it and still talking about it, we have to get to the point where, you know, we, we kind of start stepping up and saying, you know what, I can either continue contributing to it or ignoring it, or I can start working on trying to make a, a larger shift and so that, you know, other people don't go through this and so that we can actually change the way these conversations happen in real life. And I can start having real conversations with these people around me about what the impact this talk has done to us all. Because I guarantee you that all of those people that are having these conversations and they're, that are stuck in all of this diet talk that drive us so crazy, they're going through the exact same things. They've been affected by it in the exact same ways. So that by bringing it up, by pointing it out, by telling our stories in the ways that we've been impacted by it, we can start shifting the narrative. We can start changing the story and we can start helping other people to stop talking about it so much or to start talking about it in a different, more real way. So yeah. I think that that's, but that's not necessarily always the first step. No, um, my, so my best friend, is on. I don't know if she's still on. Her name's Amanda too. And she's like, I've always struggled with this forever. And Amanda's my BFF and has been really on this. And she's been really helpful with me. So thank you. Like, my best friend knows me very well because I'm very passionate. And when I catch her doing diet culture talk, I kind of like, oh, yeah, she's here. I kind of like here. <laughs> Love, thank goodness. <laughs> I can be a little bit intense with her. Mm -hmm. 
because we have that relationship. Yeah. Um, but we don't have that relationship with everybody. It, yes. It, it can feel confrontational. Like, and, and when do you speak up and when do you not speak up? Yeah. And like you said, like maybe, you know, the first step isn't sharing your story. You need to get to yourself in a place yeah. when you're ready to share your story. And so what can people do if they're not ready to share that story yet? What can they do when, when it's going on around them? You know, yeah. we can ignore it and just not say anything. We can, we, we don't have to continue to contribute to the conversation. I think I that's the first step is just stop contributing to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have some women around me who are still very much stuck in it, even yeah. if they perfectly know my stance on it, <laughs> yeah. but I think they just don't get it yet. Um, and sometimes I speak up and sometimes I don't. And, and honestly, I trust my gut and I, I look at the context of the conversation. I also kind of sense like, what are their willingness to even hear a different yeah. way? Some people, they're just, you can, like, I'm, and I know I'm a triggering person sometimes with what I say. And you can, like, when, it, when you challenge somebody's identity, and if diet culture has been such a big part of their identity, and it's part of their belief system, yeah. offer them a different way of thinking, they're going to get defensive, right? Yeah. And so it's, 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 it's very nuanced. <laughs> Yeah, and it does, it, it absolutely becomes part of our identity, 100%. Like, I often hear clients say, like, I don't even know who I am if I'm not in this struggle. And that in itself can be scary. So absolutely, it, can, it becomes part of our identity. And a lot of people just don't want to look at that. And so, you know, whether or not you say something or what you choose to say really depends in large part by where you're at, who you're speaking to, you know, the relationship that you have with that person, the level of awareness and growth that you have within yourself, because sometimes as you're just starting to, you know, begin to shift out of it, maybe you're not feeling so secure about talking about it, any of it yet. And so at that stage, you know, maybe just not saying anything or whatever, but you can always, you know, one of the things that I was, I would do in the beginning was just kind of like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, like just kind of, and just kind of, you know, not engage, but like, make it be known that, it, you know, sort of maybe passive aggressively that this isn't something that because I, I wasn't ready yet to talk about it. But you know, and I didn't have words to, to, to know what to say. So you just kind of like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and when you stop engaging so much, and you just kind of, mm -hmm, yeah, uh -huh, people get the hint. They do. Like if you start yeah. if you stop engaging with them in the talk, they will quickly pick up, oh, when I bring up this topic, this person isn't contributing to the conversation or maybe some of the things she's saying isn't actually agreeing with me. Hmm. I wonder yeah. why. Yeah, I should be curious as to why, or maybe I'll, I'll stop. Yeah. She says, I feel some people have made this encompass their lives so much. They don't even realize it's diet culture anymore. It's their livelihood, which is really sad. It is. So it one thousand percent and that it like literally that was me because it was my livelihood like yeah. i was fully entrenched in it um you know for the years that i was a trainer and, and working with people in that way i was fully entrenched in it and it literally was my livelihood it was who i was and i didn't even recognize the ways that i was contributing to it because i was so um entrenched in it so yeah really great point amanda it, it is a process and we, we go on that own process as we yeah. start to recognize it ourselves and, and um, you know, make our own changes around our own beliefs. But 
you know, when we have mothers and grandmothers of other who haven't done the work, you know, and they're saying stuff about our body, you know, commenting on maybe what we're wearing. Yeah. They're thinking, oh, mm, that makes that makes you look bigger. Maybe you shouldn't wear that. But that's still that's diet culture speaking. It's the belief that looking bigger is bad. Yeah. And it's still, if you if you love it and you feel amazing in it, who cares how it makes you look? It's a, it's a matter of what how you feel in the clothes, right? Yeah. That's, that's a big thing that I work with a lot of my clients is recognizing, are you unsure about this piece because you're afraid of the judgments of others? Or you, you know, or do you, are you unsure about how you feel about this piece? And there is a difference. Yeah. You like your body. You need to like how you look. It's about you being comfortable, but being able to separate how you feel versus what are the judgments, you know, what is all these external things you know, people saying or judging you and where, you know, what is that boundary between how you feel versus how others feel? Yeah. How much power are you giving your fear of what they think of you over the way you feel about you? Right. And you are not responsible for what others think and what others, you're just responsible for yourself. But, you know, there is times that I feel like it is important for us to communicate that boundary. And so, particularly hard for people who maybe have wish-washy boundaries because they have, you know, maybe they're people pleasers or maybe they prioritize other people's opinions over theirs. And so it's really hard for them to practice communicating that boundary. And so it just, it comes with practice, like small steps, but when it comes to how you feel, your, how you feel in your body, your own version of what health means to you and happiness, that is a boundary that you need to protect. And if others are coming in under the guise of, I'm concerned, I don't think you should wear this, I think you should eat this, this is bad, I think maybe you've eaten too much, or oh, you've gained weight, or oh, you've lost weight, I'm concerned. And so we need to practice that boundary of like, my body is not up for discussion. And and I think that that, I think that that's sort of, a really important point because it doesn't just happen with friends and family. Like mm. the topic of bodies and what they look like and what they should look like or shouldn't look like and all of these judgments around bodies and commenting on bodies is, you know, another aspect of diet culture that has been completely normalized in our world. And that needs to stop too. Like the, it's never appropriate to comment on somebody else's body. And, and it's, really gross that it, we've gotten to the point where it has become so normalized. Yeah. And so, you know, I've had people comment on my body um, because I'm thin. Mm-hmm. So I, that is very different. I absolutely recognize I have thin privilege. Um, and it is nowhere near in comparison to women who live in larger bodies and who have had, you know, lots of horrendous comments made on them. Mm-hmm. But I, I've had, people close people in my life be like you know i'm really concerned you're you're too thin you need to eat more yeah yeah when i first you know when i first lost the weight in 2007 i i started hearing people say stuff like that to me too in the beginning um or not in the beginning but after i had you know lost some weight um you know you're starting to look sick you're too thin and and you know so it's almost like no matter what you do with your body, people think it's okay to comment on it. Like we're going to comment if it's too big, we're going to comment if it's too small, like nothing I ever did with my body made me free from 
other people feeling like they were allowed to comment on it. Yeah, and that's that's that boundary. You just don't comment yeah. on anybody. And so I had somebody bring their concern to me at a family meal in front of my daughter. Mm -hmm. I I could not stay quiet because I needed my daughter to see that I have a boundary around yeah. what they say about me um, and that it's not okay. And so I yeah. stuck myself. And uh, I think that's important too, to remember that our kids are watching and they're learning from us. So if we want them to grow up with these boundaries, we have to teach them by letting them see us do it. And I, I, my mother was over at dinner the other night and she commented about bad food or she, she mm -hmm. labeled bad. And I just said very quickly, quietly, I didn't make a big deal of it. And I yeah. just, in this house, we don't label food as good or bad. That was it. I said it. We moved on. My mom heard it. She didn't acknowledge it. Nothing. And we just, we moved on and I changed the, the topic. But yeah. that was enough for me to put that boundary up and let her know that in this house, in front of my daughter, we don't label food good good or bad. And that that's my own struggle because that's like my diet culture conditioning. Yeah. Too, right? Like I have my own stuff that I'm still working through to make sure that um, I raise my daughter in a very uh, body positive um, household. Um, a very food neutral household and teaching her to listen to her body, mm -hmm. you know, those types of things and trying, to, you know, it's, 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 I'm in my own journey of it. And I, I need to make sure that I also protect her. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point too, because so often, you know, parents in particular don't even recognize the ways in which they're contributing to some of these, um, destructive and, and damaging, you know, things around food that, that pull their kids into diet culture because they're so focused on trying to help their kids eat right and learn what food is good and what food is bad. And, and they don't recognize the fact, you know, just doing it for the, just trying to help their kids, you know, learn. But what they're really doing is teaching them to stop trusting their body and start trying to follow these rules about what are good and bad. So I think that's a really important it, point too. Right. And it's, it's again when we when we do these things it's not because we want to harm our children no absolutely not or anybody else no it's just what we've learned and and, and all what we, we've been conditioned yeah we were told these are the canadian food groups this is the yeah. good the bad food and the thing is we we've assigned morality yeah and bad eating and, and so, also told people that you are what you eat so we tell kids you are what you eat and that food is bad so then what happens and, and yeah, so uh, recognizing the ways in which we're doing that um, is, is important and, and recognizing the ways in which we're doing it because we teach the people around us, not even just our kids, but the people around us. Like we have that opportunity. Like when you had that moment with your mom where you said, you know what, like we don't use that language with food in our house that you're, you're showing mom this is not only my boundary, but this may not necessarily be the best way to think about, to think about food. And Amanda says, um, I feel like the combination of working, mental health, self-awareness, self-confidence, and mental health thriving works together with eliminating diet culture. Yeah, so here's the thing about that. I don't think that you can eliminate diet culture in your life without working on those things. Really great point, Amanda. I, yeah, I don't think that you can work on eliminating it without doing all of those things and doing that work. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. diet itself is there to prey on, prey on your insecurities. 100%. Yeah. And 
and it destroys your mental health. Yeah. So you have to shift those things in order to, to pull yourself out of diet culture. You have to. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I, you know, my clients who come to me who are still, you know, either they have body dysmorphia and they're not treating it or they have practiced decades of hating themselves and aren't ready to get out of that. And they're not ready to interrupt that loop. And when they come to me looking for help and yes, you know, I have clients who maybe aren't on the other side yet of, you know, accepting and loving themselves, but they're, they're, at, they're at the beginning of the journey and they want to make sure that their clothes and their wardrobe reflects how they're now feeling about themselves instead of, you know, maybe hiding their body, you know, dressing it in a way to like represent how much they hate themselves. They want to like start to embrace it. And those 100%, the, the clothing thing can be along your journey, but yeah. the women and like I hate myself and I, I want you to teach me how to hide my body in clothes I'm like I'm not gonna do that for you yeah. I'm not because if you're not ready yet to break away from that it doesn't matter what I suggest you put on your body you're still gonna hate it you're always gonna find something and that is that is the you know I've had some clients where like I at this point you know I don't think I can help you I mm -hmm. actually need to go see a counselor yeah, and I think that that's such a great point in terms of weight, too, because it's the exact same thing. If you can't find a way to love your body right now as it is, no matter what size it is, there is very little chance you will ever love it anymore when or if you actually do are able to, able to make it smaller. Because we feel about our bodies the way that we feel about ourselves. Like a mind at war with itself will never find peace with its body. It doesn't matter what size it is. The problem is not the size. The problem is the story that you're telling yourself about the size. So let's get back to like, how do we- The topic, yeah, because we got I, off. <laughs> I culture speak around us. You know, it can be just not engaging. It could be sharing your story more openly in front of other people. So change the dialogue, interrupt and change the dialogue. Or just inform- yeah, so or just informed, you know, maybe the, the talk isn't happening around you and you are starting off a conversation with, hey, I learned this thing. This is what I'm going through. I think you might think it's awesome too. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when people start bringing up the latest diet they're on or something, um, you know, it, you and this goes back to what you were talking about in terms of dieting. Um, de again, depending on the person, depending on the situation, there's nothing wrong with speaking up and saying, hey, you know what, I've seen, you know, I've really read a lot about how much disordered eating comes from dieting and, you know, like, and that really harms people that, that I care about and it's, it harms me in the past and this is what it's done to me. And so, you know, I, I really don't, I really don't want to talk about diets. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think it's, it's a boundary that you need to decide if you want to protect and it's, so, it's, again, yeah, it depends on who you're, who you're talking to, you know, the situation. Um, and I think that because a lot of times when people start that new diet or whatever, they're always trying to get people on board to, to get them to join with them. And so, again, depending on the person, you know, there's also nothing wrong with just saying, you know what, I really don't want to. I'm, I'm learning to just trust my body to tell me what it wants and needs, and I'm learning how to you know, reconnect with my body and just nurture it in a way that feels good for it. And I, I, I'm good, like, thanks, but I'm glad it's working for you. But I'm just not in that place. And I'm doing this. Thinking of like, 
somebody being a little bit more aggressive or assertive and, and not understanding that boundary. And if it's just me around, I can handle it. But where my boundary comes up is when it's around my kid. Like, yeah. you don't talk about diets in this house. And if my daughter is watching something and they're talking about losing weight, gaining weight, thin, or they're like villainizing fat and, you know, you know, idolizing thin, I will interrupt, I will pause the show and we will have a discussion around yeah, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not bad. This is not an insult, even though you just heard it used as an insult. And so I make sure we have these conversations around her and it is a boundary. We don't talk about bodies. We don't comment on bodies. The other thing is like, what I don't, I haven't navigated yet. And, I, and I, I'm not sure how to is those who like, cause she's, my daughter is beautiful and, and people, they're like, oh, you're so pretty. Yeah. Oh, but I understand like it's that older generation that values that and they think it's, it's not even the older generation because you know what I've noticed myself doing this with my own daughter and my nieces and I've really had to purposefully make an effort to stop doing that and and another thing that I've noticed with my nieces um doing because my nieces live far away from me and so we still use snapchat to like to like you know connect every day they're teenagers that's what they use so we snap back and forth and we're always snapping like goofy pictures and different things like that and so they'll they'll snap a picture and they'll like circle something and point it out or whatever and I've noticed myself a couple of times doing a snap and I'll like circle a wrinkle maybe and go to point at it and then I'll stop myself and I'll be like no don't do that Ronnie <laughs> so it's really important to recognize the ways that we are and not even just contributing to diet culture, but contributing to this whole idea around good versus bad in terms of the way that we look and bodies in general. Um, because I can still catch myself doing it with different things like that. Absolutely, me too, yeah. it's so ingrained. I also think what could help you around other people if, if they're being a little bit more direct on you know, commenting on your body or your clothes, how you look or your weight is coming up with some almost like um, scripts yeah. to say, you know, things that make that you can just say over and over and over again, mm -hmm. so that you're not having to like think on your feet. Um, and it's something like is not, is not open-ended. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, I don't, I, if somebody says something negative or that's triggering, triggering about your body or your weight, I don't, I don't think I was going to say, you know, maybe we should, you know, thank you for your opinion. But I'm like, no, we shouldn't even think that. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no thank you. That's our, that's our inner, like, we need to be nice, you know, make everyone happy story. <laughs> but it's just like, that is your opinion. And you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm really loving myself right now. I'm really happy where I'm at. And I don't need that opinion right now. Like, again, and, and I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but come up and write down some responses. So if you, if you are around somebody that is particularly, you know, ingrained and, and doesn't listen to your boundary or doesn't even recognize that they're crossing a boundary, think of some type of script to say to them and something that just, it shuts down the conversation. It's not like getting into a back and forth. It's just a quick response. This is, this is my boundary. We're, we're not going to talk about that in front of me or we're not going to have this discussion and leave it. I think that um, 
I think that also it's a great opportunity, again, depending on the person and the situation and all of that, I think it's all, it can also be a good opportunity to start a conversation about how that, um, how that diet talk has impacted that person in their life. And, you know, share how it's impacted you. You know, when we talk about this, this is how it makes me feel. How does it make you, how has it made you feel in the past? And, and recognizing how much, um, how much competition diet talk fosters. It fosters competition over connection. Mm. Because when we're talking about the food that we're eating, and the weight that we're losing or the weight that we're gaining or and we're judging people based on these choices and these sizes and all of these things it really becomes this competition of egos right what are what who's doing better well she ate better than i did so she must be better well she lost more weight than i did so she so it really becomes this competition and when you're in this competition with this other person and you're always like comparing and judging and having these conversations over who looks better in this and who it's just all competition and there's no connection happening. There's no real human connection happening when this is the conversation that's going on all the time. And, and I think it's, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's important to recognize that these are not easy conversations to have. No. And, I and think, that that's scary. Yeah. And I think just being honest about how you feel and just say what you just said to me right now, that, that really hurt my feelings. Yeah. That, Make me feel good about my body and you know what I'm working really hard on feeling good about myself and what I eat in my body and what you just said really bothered me yeah and I think that people because people don't realize that it's so normalized to say these things we need to remind them hey what you just said was was really hurtful but and I think that it's also important to recognize that sometimes we don't even realize that the, the things people are saying can be hurtful. So for example, my mother for my entire life, for as long as I can remember, I've heard her say something like, does this thing make me look fat? Mm. Or this outfit makes me look fat or something. And I've always looked at my mother like the ideal, like the, the ideal body. And so I never realized my whole life she did this. I never had any idea the way that it was impacting me until probably a couple of years ago um, she was up visiting and, and she asked me to take her picture and she asked me, should I suck my stomach in? And because I've spent so, so much time working on awareness and recognizing triggers and stuff, instantly my first thought was, well, I don't know, mom, should I? Like, if you're worried about being fat in your body, should I be worried about being fat in mine? But my whole life, I never recognized that that's what those, those words were doing to me. So I think understanding, first of all, it's so insidious. Yeah, so it's, it's really important to recognize when those things are hurtful, because we don't Yeah, a lot of times. So we have to recognize when it is, and then be willing to say, hey, you know what? That's kind of damaging, and it, it, it's sending this message. That's what this is, that's the message. And I think it's also important to realize that, you know, putting up these boundaries can feel scary, and it can feel rude. Because like you said, we're so programmed to believe that we have to be nice and keep everyone happy that we feel like it's rude when we start trying to set boundaries. Yeah, I was, I was uh, reading a book the other day and there was a chapter on boundaries and they said, you know, boundary setting is in itself confrontational. Yeah. It, it is. It's, it, it can be confrontational because we've been trained to appease or please 
others versus ourselves and it can seem confrontational at the time but the thing is like we are not responsible for somebody else's reaction to you implementing your boundaries and on top of that i think it's also we forget that we teach people how to treat us for one thing but also people learn by watching other people and when the people around us start to see us make these shifts and start to see us setting some boundaries for ourselves it can empower them to do the same things in their lives. So like if we've normalized not boundary setting and we've normalized not talking about what diet culture has done to us, that's what gets normalized. But when we, if we want to normalize the opposite, if we want to normalize setting boundaries and we want to normalize not getting ourselves stuck in these diet talks, then we have to participate in, in actively doing those things. So then before we end, what... The, there's another level to this. We, we could set our boundaries mm -hmm. and those people cannot honor those boundaries. And at what point do we need to decide that this person is a toxic person in our life? And we might have to make the decision of distancing ourselves for that person in order to protect ourselves. And I mm -hmm. think to me, that's the ultimate boundary. That's the, yes. ultimate, that's the ultimate thing is, is the willingness to let, the toxic things in your life go in order to protect yourself. Like yeah. we need, that's part of taking care of yourself. You can't change other people. You're not responsible for what they say or their views or their beliefs. I mean, you can try and have conversations and teach and model and, and do all these things. But at some point, if they're not going to honor that or they're not willing to change and they're continuing to say harmful things in your presence or to you at some point, you might have to distance yourself from that person in your life. Yeah, that's a really great point too. Um, and I and and that's been the case for me. In the, like, I I have had to distance myself from some people in the past, and and I think that's a really personal choice, for sure. But for me, it came down to, um, is this person listening when I express the way that I feel about something? If no, strike one. Um, and am I feeling better about myself? when as a result of engaging with this person or am I feeling worse? Mm -hmm. Is this person lifting me up or constantly dragging me down? And if the latter, that's strike two. And that for me is a deal breaker. And it depends on the person, right? The, again, like so much of this is subjective based on so many different things, but it depends on the person. Sometimes it might just be somebody that you can sort of slowly fade out of your life oh yeah Sometimes it might be a person that you can't really fade out of your life but you can start you know limiting a little bit of contact with or something like you know um but those were my two big things are they ignoring me when i express the way that i feel about something and am i feeling drained and worse when i leave them those were my two big things so Amanda said, my whole life i grew up with a mom who's a size four and so many times she would wear something and say uh my gut hangs out over my pants. I have struggled my whole life. I was so active. <sighs> yeah, that, that really goes back to the example that you gave Ronnie about, you know, your mom. And, yeah. so, and you, Ronnie, and you and I have talked about this, like sometimes the people who are the worst on themselves are thin people because they are yeah. so afraid. They're just so afraid of being in a bigger body because they know, they know how badly those people are treated and viewed. 
Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And it it's, it feels scary. She also said, which which was a comment that I absolutely missed. I won't comment on their body during weight loss journey now. I'd say I work, you're working so hard. Yeah, that is such a great point um, to Amanda. And and it's really important to recognize how hard it is to do that when somebody comes to you so excited about how much weight they've lost. And especially for me, because that's what I helped people do was lose weight forever. So people are naturally drawn to, to want to tell me about their weight loss. And it's very difficult to not because you know that that's what they're craving. That's what they want to hear. You know that. And want you feel like an ass if you don't. But I won't. I will say it's so amazing to see you. Or how do you feel? That's what I say too. Tell me about how you feel. Yeah. And when they start, if they start telling you that they feel great, I'm so happy that you're feeling wonderful. That's, you know, it's, I'm so happy to see you. It's so great that you feel great. And I, I just try to detach myself from any, any talks about um, appearance. Appearance. Yeah. Or even the work, because I don't like celebrating work anymore. Because too much of us, too many of us have also identified our value or our worth with how much work we do. I how much one of them. Our own appearance and our own body. Yeah. How much work we do in general, but also how much work we do, you know, for our fitness journey. Yeah. And, and that can open up a whole other kettle of, kettle of fish because, or worms or whatever it's called. What is it? Kettle of and worms, I think. I don't know, whatever. It opens up a whole new thing. <laughs> because then, then, then it's almost like you start rewarding and you don't know, you don't know how destructive those behaviors are they're engaged in that, that you might be rewarding. So I don't even like talking about that. I just focus on how do you feel? And it's so great to see you. Yeah. It is so great to see you. I'm so happy to see you. Yeah. Um, anybody who's still here, do you have any questions or do you have any examples of maybe some things that people say around can of worms, can of worms and, and you're sure of how to respond or what to do? Um, let us know and share that and see if Ronnie and I um, can help you problem solve that. If you're, you're re-watching this and you're not live, then just comment. We're going to be posting this video on our feed on Instagram and just give us the scenario in, in the comments um, or send us a private message and we will help coach you or support you in some kind of way in how to handle um, scenarios and reach out to us. It doesn't mean like we always have all the answers, but like three mm -hmm. minds better than one. Right. And yeah. so help you and support you while you navigate these, you know, a challenging person or a challenging conversation. Um, we would love to do that for you. Yeah, sometimes even just having the support of somebody saying, yeah, you know what? It's within your rights to stand, stand up for yourself in this situation. Oh, Amanda said she watched the last 10 minutes with her son. So hi, Chase. Oh. <laughs> hi, Chase. <laughs> okay, thank you everyone for, for joining. And thank you to my best friend, Amanda, for joining and being so active. And thank you, Ronnie, for this amazing conversation. And again, share with us any scenarios that you're struggling with and we'd love to help you. Yeah. See you next time. Yes. Bye everybody. Bye.
You've been listening to Being More with Ronnie Davis. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about embodied cognitive eating training and access free resources, visit www.ecet.online.